Have you ever wondered what it's like to have a coaching session or to get a gaslighting specialist take the situation you're dealing with, unpack it for you in the moment, and help you identify that elusive, why does this keep happening? Or why can't I seem to break the hold this has on me? I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. I'm a certified professional relationships coach that specializes in the topic of gaslighting, and I've been doing so for almost a decade. Today, I have a brave soul who volunteered to share her story in a little bit of a different format. That is, I'm going to basically do a coaching session with her, and you, my dear listeners, get to listen in. To me, it's kind of like that old school Dear Abby when someone would write into the New York Times columnist and, you know, she would answer their relationship questions and other got, others got to read along and kind of apply their own advice that she was giving to that writer, um, that person that wrote in, this, they can apply their own things to their own lives in the ways that related. So that's what we're going to do today. So who is this brave soul? Well, I imagine she's a lot like you, a lot like a lot of my listeners. Rachel is a busy mom of three who has balanced a career in the healthcare industry for over 20 years. In her free time, she loves to run, practice yoga, drink good wine, I'm super curious about that, garden, and watch her kids play sports. So always, I love doing a bio. Um, you know, I think I feel like people in a lot of podcasts feel like only like the super uber professional people should get the bios. But for me, the bio is the time for us to connect with each other and be like, oh, like I, I connect with that. Right. And so I worked in the fine dining industry in California for over a decade. And so when somebody mentions good wine, like automatically, I'm super, I'm super curious. So do you, can you name off the top of your head one of your favorites? Um, it just depends on the, the meal you're having it with. And I, you probably know more than I do if you work sure. in fine dining, but I've been in Napa a few times. Um, and, and mm-hmm. really there's a budget with wine, but you know, uh, Famous is good, yeah. but I, you know that's a special occasion wine. That is that is a special occasion. That's one of my favorites. I know, and um, you know what's funny is I just had you know COVID's gone through, and I had COVID last year, and the smell and taste went mm. away. And so I'm just finally getting mm. that back, and that was the okay. wine taste went away. So that was that was hard. So yeah, <laughs> it would be because it becomes a whole experience, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, like, you know, pairing a nice cab with a filet or something. It's a whole, yeah. it's a whole thing. Yeah. That's funny that you named one of my absolute fa- favorites. Yeah. In fact, when my wife and I got married, yeah. that was the wine we had, um, that evening. So special Very wine, special you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> yep. So, um, so let's, let's go into things for today and get this this kind of ball rolling, if we will. Thank you so much, uh, Rachel, for being on this podcast. I'm excited for what we're going to do today. Um, so a little bit of a different format, listeners. I am still going to do word of the day because this was something that in the, the little bit of interaction that Rachel and I had ahead of time um, already became super clear to me. Uh, and it's one of the tactics I teach about. And the word of the day is actually distortion. So to distort something is to change it from its original, natural, or intended meaning, condition, or shape, especially in a negative way. Someone who distorts is not truly or completely representing the facts or reality. They are misrepresented. They're false. Distorting is the action of giving a misleading account or impression. Sound familiar? Well, that's because this is a major tactic of gaslighting. Distortion is typically a powerful tactic because since things start out as true, when the distortion part kicks in, we're thrown off, right? Those half-truths confuse us, and that's what opens the door for self-doubt to creep in, right? It's, it's kind of this thing where we think in our own head, well, the first part is true, so that must mean the rest of it is true, right? Like it so throws us off. Distorting statements that are especially potent usually distort the facts in such a way that it plays on and puts our values into conflict. Rachel's story is the perfect example. So Rachel, you um, you came to me, I looked it up and it was not quite a month ago. Mm-hmm. And you had just stumbled across my podcast and my heart really went out to you. Uh, when I read your message, like instantly I could see the gaslighting. Like literally, I think you sent me just a pa- uh, like a paragraph and I was like, wow, okay, buckle up. Like this is mm-hmm. intense. Um, and I was really moved by your plea for help. And um, that's 
kind of what motivated me to do this kind of different thing. It's like, I don't just want to bring this person on and interview them. Like, I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them with this thing that they're really wanting to be free from. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes um, being able to see where the gaslighting affected our own thinking helps us break that, right? Because otherwise mm-hmm. we're just fighting against our own thinking. Um, so I'm really excited. I think I have some some things that are going to help you, but I'd like to kind of bring our listeners up to speed and, you know, just we we only talked for about 10 minutes. So I want to give you a little bit more time. Um, yeah. And so it, maybe in a nutshell, like where I would typically start, if this is the first session with one of, one of my clients, I would say like, okay, so what what kind of brought you to me today? Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, what has been going on that has been causing distress for you? Well, a 20 year marriage that has um, fallen apart and there's been um, very hard to talk about, but infidelity on both sides mm-hmm. and trying to forgive myself from the shame of my role yeah. in this. So, Yeah. This is why I said you're being a brave soul. And, you know, <laughs> I know I told you, um, no, I mean, for real, right? Like, like it's one thing when, you know, we're the only one who stepped out of integrity, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, circumstances being what they were, and I know a little bit of your story, right? Like you being in a super vulnerable place, stepped out of mm-hmm. your own integrity and you own that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing when we don't own our shit. It's another thing when we own our shit, mm-hmm. right? And you're not here trying to say, I'm not, I'm trying to excuse or minimize what I did. You're saying, like, this is the hard part. This is what caused confusion mm-hmm. for me, yeah. right? Is the fact that um, he wasn't the only one. Now, I do I do think it was severely lopsided <laughs> from <laughs> yeah, what you told me. But yeah. that's that's that d- distortion piece coming in straight away, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where if, if an unbiased, objective person were to, you know, if we would assign um, like a weight that you mm-hmm. could put on a scale, to choices or to behaviors or to actions, right? The scale would be uneven in your marriage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's dig into that a little bit deeper. So I know you told me that um, way before, you know, you were in your vulnerable place mm-hmm. and out of alignment with your integrity, um, what had been happening up to that point for you? Not to excuse it, but to give context. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, you know, I, I met... My husband, very young, I was 21, 22, I was in graduate school. I met him at his um, place of employment, <laughs> went really fast. Mm-hmm. We actually moved in together after six months um, and then got married shortly after that. My um, He had actually had a prior marriage. He's not much older than me, but okay. had a prior marriage. So, you know, back then, oh, wow. okay. you don't see red flags. But um, right. <laughs> adored, adored, you know? adored him. I still adore this person. But um yeah. So in the beginning I did, he had, and always has had a lot of women friendships. Mm-hmm. So, um, I didn't, he always was so great to me. It, it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, wonder, you know, he worked with a lot of women, but there was a lot of women friendships. So, mm-hmm. um, but we did, we did get married pretty, pretty young. And then, um, had, a, <laughs> I was pregnant on our first anniversary. Okay. Um, so that was fast. really fast. Yep. Yep. Um, and motherhood, <laughs> trying to work full time, um, baby colicky ear infections, um, mm. hard. And, and I, and, and I don't know if this is gaslighting in the beginning, but he would be always say to me, he was helpful to hands on dad helpful, but he's like, well, this was your destiny. No other moms have complained about motherhood. You know, back then we didn't have, all this social media tells us it's completely normal to, <laughs> to be overwhelmed by a colic right. baby with ear infections. And then I got pregnant again while breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is not birth control. So, but during this time, um, we're both working full time. We're trying to balance opposite schedules to watch our kids. Um, but he's uh, very much into his hobbies. Um, guys trips, playing softball several nights a week, going out before and after. Um, and I, I guess I was constantly verbalizing the stress of, of motherhood to him and being overwhelmed mm-hmm. with all that. So I'm not, I think it was, I'm not sure the, you know, the timing of all this, but 
um, I, how many years we were married when I found this. Um, I know I just had the two kids then, but I found emails from a girl from, um, he had gone back home for a wedding and Mm -hmm. pretty uh, flirty. She was going to come to town to visit him. She missed him. She wanted to be with him. And it kind of was the type of thing where it sounded like they were planning this future together. Mm -hmm. Devastated me, shocked me. Um, He was devastated. He was very remorseful for that. Um, And um, well, she doesn't live here. Let's (laughs) just move on. Of course, the trust there, you know how that goes with Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) the broken you know broken trust there so yeah of course yeah then I had my third child um about four years after my second and he actually in my husband actually engaged more I felt like he kind of quit a lot of his hobbies he was you know um there for us, I used to joke he was 35 then I used to joke 35 is the magic age where they figure it out and then Mm -hmm. you know and um I found evidence that he had taken a student of his out to coffee or dates or whatever, some evidence mm-hmm. on his Facebook messenger back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, she was married and it sounded like they were planning this future. I don't know what he was mm-hmm. telling people. Yeah. Um, so that was, I, I don't remember the fallout of that. Of course I was devastated. I think he probably was, remorseful. Um, and we just kept going on with our, and, and, and mind you, we, we didn't, we had a good marriage. We dated, we went on weekly date nights. We traveled together. We had fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he treated me very well, very giving person. Um, but he was for some reason seeking out these, these relationships. Mm-hmm. Then I don't know the timing of this. I found evidence of a very sexually charged um, communication with somebody I knew okay, and, um, a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. And he said it was one time, it was just one conversation, but then later on I found that it went on for months. Mm -hmm. So at this point, there was a guy at work that I started sharing this stuff with. Yeah. And for me to hit with this guy, it was just someone to talk to was validating me when my husband was angry that I was angry or overwhelmed as a mom or whatever it was. (laughs) <laughs> trying yeah. to work, um, you know, take care of my kids and be a wife. But um, so this guy, I guess he was, I'm not making excuses. I, again, we talked about me owning this, but he was kind of physically aggressive yeah. towards me. Um, mm-hmm. Crossing my boundaries. Obviously I, I know now he was not married that you need to 100% shut this down. Um, he does not respect me if he's you know going after a yeah. this and, and yeah um, their physical boundaries but it did become physical um and every single time something would happen i'm like i can't do this this is wrong this is not fair to my mm-hmm. husband this is not fair mm-hmm. to you this is mm-hmm. not okay and i didn't know how to get out of this i was terrified that he would tell my husband or people would find out and, mm-hmm. and I, I tell this story. I've told my husband this recently, actually. There was a time where I tried to reject this guy and he followed me and my one of my children and stood oh, wow. outside a store. And I'm like, you're terrified. What do you do? Call the police? Tell your husband? I'm like stuck in this thing. Yeah. With this man. yeah. Um, again, owning this thing. But um, what I did, but that went on, on and off for about a year. And then okay. my husband got, quote unquote, a phone call at work. Mm-hmm. probably from this guy or somebody had called him. Mm-hmm. But, and I had told the guy the day before, I'm, I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm done. And yeah. um, best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, it's not great that I hurt my husband, but it was over. It was over. Right. And I got to, right. I left the job. Like that guy that day looked me in the eye and said, I'm the better choice. Like he, he was manipulating me too. So. Wow. Yeah. 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 Terrifying. So yeah. the job I've been in for 15 years, I loved, I'm left the job within two months. You know, you got to search and interview and, you know, yeah, give yeah. a notice, but left the job. Husband's devastated. I completely, um, a hundred percent, um, felt terrible about it all. And we tried, we tried counseling. Um, 
I went into a deep depression. I felt suicidal. Um, Mm -hmm. But he um, kind of continued his patterns. We'll talk about that. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. my my father was getting sick. My dad, I didn't mention this before, was he was an alcoholic. And my parents live next door. And I have an autistic brother who's actually older than me. And so my dad was getting sick, having frequent falls, you know, calling 911. Um, (laughs) That's a lot blood, you know, off the floor after they leave. Um, he had withdrawal like three times uh, on, mm-hmm. on a ventilator. So I'm dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And my husband's like doing all these things coming at me. Like I'm in your face. I'm in your face. You're not coming back to me. And I was trying, we tried counseling, numerous counselors. Um, mm-hmm. He would get frustrated with me dealing with my dad, you know, blood is thicker than water. You know, what about me? You're not coming back to me. Um, and then again, evidence of a friendship at work, friendship mm-hmm. he, he, to this day claims that all these relationships are never physical. Mm-hmm. So, um, she's, they're talking on the weekends, friendly texting. I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with this. So yeah. at this point, every time I try to bring up that, I, I'm not comfortable with these relationships. Well, you did it. Or let me do you want me to write, remind you what you did. Um, so then we'd get in these big fights um, and you end up on the floor crying saying, I'm the problem. I want to, you know, I, right. When right. I, felt, I seriously felt like my kids in this world were better off without me because of this mm. mistake I made. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened. And then, um, you know, evidence of him, I found a hotel receipt once to a bar and he's like, oh, I just was coming home from work and it was the closest bar. And I'm like, we're in a bit big Metroplex. There's a bar mm-hmm. on every corner. Mm-hmm. So um, he would lie about, um, one time he said he had a work conference and then I found re- credit card receipts to a bunch of bars and restaurants during that day. And his response was, you, you have no business going through my stuff. You know, I don't tell mm-hmm. you I do these things because this is how you act. Um, so I had zero leg to stand on after this. Um, with, yeah, yeah. Because absolutely. of my mistake. And then during this time, he kept moving out, moving back in. He would take the camper to the lake, come back home, never leaving you again. He'd go get an apartment and, and then say, I'm not signing on it. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was just back and forth, my poor kids. Um, and then in May yeah. of 2019, my dad had his last withdrawal and died. Um, mm-hmm. So went through that, which is hard. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So that was, that was devastating. And then when this happened, my, I, we kind of, my mom gave us some of the inheritance after he passed away. So we were financially in this amazing spot. And like, finally we can, we're financially ahead, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then he told me in the beginning of 2020 that he wasn't happy and he was going to leave. Um, and then he kind of went back and forth. Yeah. And finally, in I think it was June of 2020, he moved out. And at that time he said, we're going to just t- take a separation. I was not on board. I was devastated. I'm begging, pleading, you know, please stay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he left and I was like, okay, so we're going to work on this separate, separate it. We're not seeing anybody. Right. You know, are you going to, cause I was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm insecure. Nope. We're not seeing anybody. About a month later, I found evidence. He was seeing somebody. Some, I found some emails. I logged in an old email. I was trying to cancel a gym membership for my, daughter and um okay. pictures. So yeah, sorry. That response was I knew I couldn't get away with it like you did. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he still works with this person and promises me he doesn't talk to her anymore. I don't believe him they have a similar job. So um mm-hmm. but throughout this time he keeps telling me he wants this marriage. He wants it to work and you know and we are still dating and we're still uh, you know there's there's a big strong connection there. Um, so that's, what's hard. I don't, I don't know if we have a trauma bond or what, you know, you go down the, um, the rabbit hole of trying to figure all this out, but, yeah. um, so, you know, during this time, he, after he left, he, he's like, let's take a trip. He'd buy the plane tickets and go, never mind. I don't want to, 
go with you. I mean, it was just this back and forth, up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, in 2020, we know we had co- we had the shutdown with COVID. My kids were home. I was trying to work full time and and deal with you know the youngest one with the home whatever the homeschooling we were trying to do was craziness. But um, mm. in 2020, he came home. He's like, I'm moving back home. His lease was up. I'm not leaving again. And he was home for about a month and said he's not happy and he wants to leave again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked him, well, what did I do wrong? And he said, well, you were focusing on, oh, he always says that I always focus on me. Everything was about me. Um, and I think I expressed myself. I'm overwhelmed. You know, these are the things mm-hmm. like mom, I'm trying to work. Um, but he's like, I, he continually, I was in your face. I was in your face trying to bring you back to me. You never came back to me. And to this day, I'm confused as to what I did wrong in there. Um, yeah. Like, what What was I, you know, the confusion, I think is a big thing with gaslighting, right? Like, what did I do wrong? I was I absolutely was, was trying. I, and I and I still, I go to him when I'm stressed. Like, that was your person. You should be able to go to them. And absolutely. And these are the things I have to do today. And you know, I guess it was made me, he felt like I wasn't going back to him. But the reason he said he left again was because I was talking about some home improvement projects and he wasn't on board or something. And I was focusing on what I wanted, not what he wanted. So, um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. so that's where we are. Um, we <laughs> craziness. We started the divorce process and very, um, civil and he's given me everything, but he, Literally came to me last week and said, I don't know if I can want to divorce you. So I said, dude, you know, and I've told him, I, we had actually a civil conversation last week and I was like, you gaslight me and you're abusive when we fight. Yep. And I, I'm not, I'm not letting you come back to, I'm not letting you move back in. <laughs> so Good for you. Uh, and, 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 you know, and he did the, the, this is how I found you. I was looking up Darvo. Okay. Okay. And my, mm-hmm. He did, he did it to my kids. So okay. my daughter, my oldest is 18 and she was talking, I've been a little bit open with her about everything. And, um, she said that my youngest saw some messages on her dad's phone from somebody that wasn't me. Yeah. And it, he's like, Oh, that's a nice thing to say to mommy and realize it wasn't mommy. Um, uh-huh. this was not recent. So I texted him about it. And rather than saying, you know what? Oh my God. He told my son that. That did not happen. Mm-hmm. And then basically my daughter that told me that did not happen. And you, you guys have no right upsetting your mother like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's complete. Like you, you probably had sent messages. My kids, my kids wouldn't just make that up. No, so, um, no, they wouldn't. And they it was like just classic, like, like, yeah. like, you know, the, what is it? That Darvo. The, yeah. Know, Run around, and I'm the, and then I'm, I'm always the one apologizing. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have texted you about yep. this. We talked about it in person. I yep. react. Um, so yeah, he always tells me I play the victim. Yeah, that's you know, the things he says to me, and that I always have to mm-hmm. win. So mm-hmm. I think I do fight back because I'm like I want to be heard. <laughs> so those are some things he says to me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm very. Mm-hmm. Slim. I only see one side, which I don't feel like I'm that kind of person. I feel like I have a very open mind. No. So that's what's hard. So that in a yeah. nutshell, I kind of, um, that's the story. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. And that's a lot. It yeah. is a lot. And, you know, that's, again, that's why my, my heart really went out to you. And I think, um, you know, what I have seen over and over again in, in my career is this thing of, um, you know, the most important work that I do is when I help people understand what made me vulnerable to this. Mm-hmm. Right. And in, you know, what I think your story epitomizes is this thing that we have that a lot of us have. Um, <clears throat> I think most healthy people have <laughs> where it's like, if, if someone who has a role that is supposed to want, be one that carries trust with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this could be a religious leader. This could be a, a, you know, a parent. This could be our spouse. This could be a best friend. These are people who are supposed to have our best interests mm-hmm. at heart, right? So if they say that we might have a character defect or they, they might say like you're over, you know, maybe you kind of overreacted in that situation or whatever, we, we're going to be self-reflective, 
mm-hmm. right? Because we want to be the best versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're not just going to be like, well, fuck you. I don't believe you. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> We might say that to a complete stranger, right? If, 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 you know, like I'm thinking of Brene Brown and how, you know, when she did her TED talk and people were saying smack, right? Like you're not going to believe those, but those people who know you, like her people in the arena, if people that are supposed to be in the arena with you, fighting with you, say something to you, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to take a look at it. Right. So what, what, where that becomes a vulnerability is when people are doing things that are Darvoy, right? Which means mm-hmm. I'm going to now more like, I mean, what I hear is him projecting onto you the things that mm-hmm. he was doing. Mm-hmm. He's the one who has the only perception of what is right and what is wrong. He's the mm-hmm. one who is playing the victim. You can see it even with the situation yeah. with your kids, right? Mm-hmm. So he is projecting onto you what he's doing. And the difference in this story is that you're willing to take a look at that and say, huh, am I doing that? Because if I am, I should probably change that because that's not a healthy behavior to have. But if somebody were to say that to him, he'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. You're the one that's doing that classic Darvo, right? No, not me. It's you. No, not me. It's you. You probably think that because you're doing that. You probably think I'm cheating with this woman because you did a year ago, right? You did for a year with that guy. And it doesn't matter. It was 10 years ago. It doesn't it matter that ago. it devastated you. It doesn't. Yeah. Right. It does, None of this stuff matters. Yeah. He's constantly holding it over your head. Yeah. Like Sassy Sarah really wants to come out and play because she's a little bit activated and angry on your behalf. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, I even joke too. I'm like the scarlet letter. At what point do I take it off? At what point am I not standing in the town center with the scarlet letter on my sweater or chest or whatever it is? Um, you know, at what point do I, am I forgiven or, you know? Yeah. So, So, yeah. And I think, um, you know, part of, part of what, um, you know, I really wanted to hone in on for you for that is I, I think that depends on who you're giving the power to forgive. Right. Yeah. Like if you're giving the power to your husband to define when you're going to be forgiven for this, you might as be, you might as well be ready to wear that scarlet letter to your grave. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now, he's, yeah, he, says, he, he unless says, something dramatic, mm-hmm. he says what? He says he forgives no, go me. Ahead. He wants me to be happy and he wants me to have peace and, and have happiness, but then he throws it back in my face in, in like little ways. So it's like, I told him, you can't do that to me for me to heal from it. No. Yeah, no, he, he, he is not, his inconsistency is a mind fuck. You yes. can't. So I don't know if it's, I, I can't know if it's deliberate or not. First yeah. of all, I don't know him. He's not my client. Mm-hmm. Second of all, mm-hmm. even if he wasn't my client, I'm not inside of his head. Um, all I can look at is that his words and his behavior mm-hmm. and his character or energy are not lining up. That's mm-hmm. what we can know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I make up that unless he does some drastic mm-hmm. self work, yeah. and I mean drastic, I don't mean like, oh, I'm going to read a self-help book and then I'll be mm-hmm. all better. No, he needs some mm-hmm. serious work because yeah. this goes all the way back. His lack of empathy, mm-hmm. I'm just going to call it out. His lack of empathy goes all the way back to the beginning of your marriage. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people, I'm not one to throw around um, narcissistic tendencies mm-hmm. or narcissism very lightly because most people don't really understand that right. at its core, narcissism is an empathy deficit right. disorder. That's the number yeah. one criteria, lack of empathy. Yeah. Right. Like, it is absolutely 100% yeah. normal for mm-hmm. you. Like, listen, I'm thinking I had two kids. That's all I ever had. Right. Um, they're three and a half years apart mm-hmm. and I did not work I yeah. stayed at home. I was a stay-at-home mom for the first four years. Yeah. Right? My, till my oldest was four and my youngest was one. And mm-hmm. I would have been complaining, right? <laughs> I wasn't also trying sure. to manage a full-time <laughs> job. Like, yeah. listen, you're like super mom yeah. and like human and and like desperate for someone to see how hard you're working and yeah, how no. like give mm-hmm. a give a fucking like he's off playing softball and doing all these things yeah. and you're working a full-time job and dealing with a colicky baby and a dad that's like dying and all of this stuff like what the heck that's yeah, a lot like i did go like the yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say i did go part-time that? for a little while but yeah it's still it's it's a balance with three kids and work and yeah 
Well, yeah, and I think my point, like the, the the most potent gaslighting is not the guy who acts like an asshole and says right. mean things all the time. Mm-hmm. The most potent gaslighting is the guy or woman, doesn't matter, gender is, I'm just saying guy because it's a guy mm-hmm. in your situation for my my listeners, because um, it is not gender specific. Um, it, it, they're the ones who know how to say the right things. Because mm-hmm. if you say the right things, if I say the thing that makes it sound like I'm being empath- empathetic, if I say the things that make it sound like I'm willing to change, but then I never do it, mm-hmm. I'm constantly keeping you on the hook. Mm-hmm. So That's you're always right. there when I'm ready to pull a little bit. Right. And right. If I don't, mm-hmm. right. That's the most powerful mm-hmm. because it's so confusing. It's like, but he says this when, you know, maybe this time he's going to actually yeah. follow through on what he says. Mm-hmm. Maybe this time he'll not just say the empathy thing, but he'll actually make me feel like right. he means it and like yeah. he's not holding it over my head. Yeah. And sometimes what he has empathy and, and I, he, he does have empathy. He does have remorse, but sometimes I feel like it's insincere. You know how your gut tells you like, Oh yeah, you're validating me, but it yep. doesn't be sincere. Um, and then you've mentioned narcissism. Yep. I've read and gone down that rabbit hole, but um, my daughter came to me one day, she heard an interaction with us, my oldest. And she said, I think dad's a narcissist. I'm like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. very bright mm-hmm. little girl, but I don't, I don't, I hate that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want anything negative about your dad. You know, I want, I've always been, um, adamant about them having a good relationship and I don't talk negatively about him, but, um, to them, I'm open about mm-hmm. what's going on, but say, try not to say negative things to them about their dad, but she said that to me. We, she heard an interaction mm-hmm. about something that was broken in the house and I'm, oh, he's mm-hmm. like, he left me in this house. It's a lot. And I was overwhelmed with it and I wasn't listening to his instructions. Like he told me to, I'm like, I don't learn that way. Yeah. I need you to and she's like, he laughed and she's like, mom, I heard that interaction. You didn't do anything wrong. I think he, that's when she said that. So they're breaking up to it, which is sad. So. Well, I mean, it is sad. And I, I just want to reframe that a little bit for you. Kids need mm-hmm. one secure attachment in order yeah. to have healthiest attachments. Yeah. And it's actually more harmful. A lot of, and I get, listen, I get it. Um, but a lot of moms or dads, whoever has a, you know, kind of really gaslighty, emotionally abusive spouse or partner or whatever, struggle with this thing of, I don't want to paint them in a bad picture, but if there's a difference between, there's a pendulum swing, right? Like there's a, there's, there's the pendulum swing that is like, I'm going to tell them everything and not hold anything back so Mm -hmm. that he knows so that they know how horrible this person is. Or like, I'm not like, I'm not going to say anything negative about them. And in doing so, I'm going to gaslight my own kids. Right. No. Right. So that if their intuition and their gut, but that's what happens. I'm not saying that's what you did, but, but, but we need to be mindful that if our Mm -hmm. kids are in, intuiting right that one person in the relationship is not treating the other one kindly and we're like oh you know if we make concessions for them and if we do that we are modeling to our kids mm-hmm. how to be in relationship and guess what kind of relationship they're going to end they're up in mm-hmm. yeah. they're going to normalize it and they're going to end up the same damn kind of relationship and then that more than anything is one of the things that woke me up. And I know yeah. it's woken up a lot of my clients yeah. um, is to be like, well, shit, I don't want this for my kids. Yeah. Right. Like, does it, it mean, we- yeah, it mm-hmm. does. And, and I get that. Like my kids have been raised without a dad. I know they have a grandpa, which is great. Yeah. He's a great man. Um, And, you know, different things like that, but you know, but I have, I have done the best and they are two very yeah. emotionally healthy kids. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are yeah, both in super great relationships with significant others right now. Yeah, as a, like yeah. almost 18 and 21 year old. Yeah. They both yeah. have a little people they're dating and it's so cute and it's, <laughs> it's really cute. healthy. It's really yeah. healthy, right? Like my 17 year old at like two months into dating the girl he's dating right now, he says to me, Mom, this is a really great relationship. What are some things that I can do to continue Aww. to make sure that Aww. it goes on a healthy track? <laughs> he's 17. Boys, right? I do. 21 to 17. Yeah. My 17 and 18 year old are girls. I'm doing it from Mm. the girls' perspective now. When the boy starts doing it, yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I want to bring this back around again. Okay, Okay. so just just to clarify, to get us back on track, right? So you were remorseful, right? I mean, obviously, you were devastated, and you you know, even though you're depressed, even though you're doing these things, you did anything and everything. You quit your job. you like, you cut off communication. Like you never had another indiscretion, like all of these things. 
um, anything your ex asked you to do, you mm-hmm. did, correct? Yes. I mean, with the exception of some days laying in bed depressed because I can't get up. I mean, he, he, okay. I mean, I mean, things that are um, actually attainable and yeah. relevant yeah. to restoring yeah. trust. Yes. I mean, okay. I didn't getting get out of bed. Trust me. Yeah. Getting out of bed when you're depressed and good God, of course you were depressed. You were, I, I make up. I, I don't, again, I don't know this guy, but from the little bit that you told me about the guy that you had the affair with, um, he sounds like he was a predator preyed on a woman that he could tell was vulnerable because of some mm-hmm. of his like kind of stalkery behaviors and stuff. He mm-hmm. comes a little bit predatorial, not like yeah. children, predator, but, but seeing yeah. who's vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable, and I'm going to play on them and then I'm going to be physically aggressive with them. It right. sounds a little bit that way. Right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you just had this relationship, um, on top of the relationship where there was multiple fractures of trust, mm-hmm. um, and invalidation and not being listened to or emotionally supported or physically supported. Um, and your dad was sick, um, depression, y- y- uh, of course, mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know how you could not have been. Yeah. I've already preemptively warned my wife, like when my parents pass away, mm-hmm. like I am going to suffer. Like it's I am, <laughs> uh, uh, well, and yeah. uh, you know, a, a really good friend of mine, we're talking about this the other day. She just recently um, lost her mother and, um, I was like, I won't be the same. Like my mom and I are super duper close. I love her. She's, she, I, I can't, I can't even think about it without getting super emotional. She, and she's like, yeah, you won't be the same. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. You, when you have a good relationship with your parent, you're changed. Even when you don't have a good relationship. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was complicated, but, um, cause of his alcoholism and yeah, know, was, that's for another podcast. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's, yeah. yeah complicated, so, but traumatizing. Yeah. But so, so of course you're struggling with depression. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think again, there's a difference between saying, you know what, I am struggling to get out of bed and, mm-hmm. and having your person say, well, you're not doing everything you can versus them saying, you know what, why are you still working at the same place? Still having conversations with this person? Like, mm-hmm. like I've asked you to do these things that are related to me being able to trust that you're not, you're not having another affair. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are two completely different things. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to anything that had to do with making amends, repair or rebuilding trust, those three Mm -hmm. things, you did everything that you possibly could and more, correct? Yes. He just says, I didn't, some reason did not come back to him. I guess he wanted me doting over him every single day for the rest of his life to make up for this. But yes, I mean, I don't, I did everything. And, you know, I, I've, I've done a podcast before where I talk about mutuality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, were you allowed to ask for things? And if you ask for things when it came to trust, because he had his own, mm-hmm. it, listen, it doesn't matter if things got sexual or not. That's not the only kind of betrayal <laughs> that we can experience. Right. So um, there are different levels. There are you different levels of betrayal mm-hmm. trauma. So I would ask for right? ways for him to... So I could trust him. And when our kids started driving, I put that Life360 app and he refused to get on the app. It was a betrayal of his privacy. Yeah. So I'm like, well, yeah. to me, it's like you're hiding something. Why can't you do this for yep, me? And absolutely. Job, but if you're not doing anything, I mean. Listen, that's standard. Amela, that's standard operating procedures for somebody who has had like, inappropriate relationships. He, <laughs> like, he would hide his phone. He wouldn't let what yeah. you got him. Big fight one night. Well, let me see your phone. Now I can, you know, I can't see your yeah. phone. So no. things like that. He wasn't handing over his phone. Like I could hand yeah. him my phone right now and I don't have anything to hide. But yeah. super shady. That's all super shady. That's not gonna build trust. He wasn't doing no. it. <laughs> no. And in fact, you know, to the point, you know, I want to share with both you and my listeners, um, you know, every single person that I know that has gone through any kind of betrayal trauma and left their person when they started with a new person, you still experience Mm -hmm. triggers. Mm -hmm. You still have your, once your truster has been broken, Mm -hmm. you can heal, but you have a very, very sensitive truster, right? Like it can be easily, easily triggered. Right. So every single person that I've talked to, including myself, my, my one of my podcast guests, Jenny Rochelle, she does her own podcast. We've had multiple conversations about 
how our person responds when we're not trusting them because of our former person. Right. Okay. So it's not even that they've betrayed our trust. It's we have trust issues and we're scared and we want to see their phones or we want to see whatever because, and you know what their responses are, even though they've not ever done anything to betray us here, here's my phone. What else do you need? Do you need my passwords to my email accounts? Like, What do you need to see so that you feel safe when you're not hiding anything? It doesn't feel like an invasion of privacy. It feels like an act of love Because it's, I'm allowing, I'm giving this gift to my person to feel safe. Yeah. And I don't want to be in a relationship. Sorry. No, no, you're good. I don't. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, and and to me, let's, let's, let's skip ahead um, to, uh, so, so you did everything. You weren't allowed to ask for jack shit from him, basically. Um, and you know, we talked about offline, um, a few things that you would say, and you mentioned a couple of them here that, you know, he was waving his hands in front of you. Like I make up, that means he was trying to get your attention or something. I, I don't even know that I know that that means. I don't know. He, he says that all the time. I, I said, you left me, you made this choice. I wasn't on board. He goes, but I was there. I was in your face trying to make this marriage better. And you weren't coming back to me. He, hmm. Coming back. To okay. Me. So. That's what he said. Yeah. So I, I, I'll joke around with people and I'll say I'm fluent in gaslighties, right? <laughs> so like, you know, like there's a language um, and I'm like, so, you know, when, when I hear statements, I'll be like, so let me translate that for you. That's basically like, I was there giving you my list of demands and because you didn't meet my list of demands, um, you weren't giving enough effort. Yeah. That's the translation in gaslighties, right? Like yeah. take away all the fancy words, take away all the therapy talk, which some of these guys are really good guys. Again, n- neutral, gender neutral, <laughs> but people, yeah. some of these people like, pr- right. And it's confusing because again, when you use certain words and certain phrases, like we're like, well, I don't want to be a partner who's not showing up. I don't want to be a spouse. Like it's in my values going back to that definition of when distortion is super powerful and potent. It's usually because it puts our, our own values in conflict, right? So if I value being a partner that shows up and is supportive and loving and affectionate, and my partner tells me I'm not doing those things, Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go into, well, crap, what's wrong with me? What am I yeah. doing bad or wrong? Yeah. I felt very worthless. And, mm-hmm. he, yeah. and the things so, he, was, he was doing in my face, he, he was giving me things like he's kind and giving, yeah. and, you know, but he wasn't. Well, that's the love bombing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the big key in the love bombing is when people do things, but it's not the things that we ask for. Mm-hmm. Right. So then it's a distraction. It's diversion. Love bombing is always a, so right. Like it's one thing to bring flowers, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with bringing flowers. Mm-hmm. Like it's a beautiful gesture. But when you do it because your person is asking you, can I please look at your phone? And you had a fight about the phone the night before. Right. And so then the next day the you're like, look, mm-hmm. look at how great I am. I'm such a great partner. I'm so thoughtful. I just brought you flowers for no reason. It's not our anniversary. It's not your birthday. Look at me. I'm so great here. You deserve flowers because you're so beautiful and I love you so much. Yep. But when you ask true. me to do this other thing, mm-hmm. fuck you. I don't want to do that one. Yeah. It's basically kind of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Love bombing. Wine. Love I, bombing. Like wine. It's, I mean, I, I don't mind him bringing me wine, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. You can, you, you can keep bringing me wine. I <laughs> about the phone. I mean, it was bad. This was after he had mm. moved out. Um, he brought me breakfast that morning the next day. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he thought he mm-hmm. maybe that's his way of feeling bad. I don't know. He was remorseful, but it was yeah. Well, you know, you keep saying remorseful and remorseful is not people people get get guilt and remorse confused. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to clarify this and then I want to move into something that I'm hoping will be a, a real big good aha for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference between remorse and guilt is mm-hmm. guilt is I feel bad about me. I feel ashamed or I feel bad or I, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. Remorse is I understand what I did to you. Mm-hmm. Remorse yeah. is all about the other person. It's, I understand that when I did this, it made you feel like that. And I'm sorry that you felt that way. Right. And when people connect 
Okay. When people truly connect, you know, you said something that was really important. It was like, um, you know, the insincere aspect. Mm -hmm. People again can say the right things, but if I connect that when I say this, it makes you feel like a puddle or maybe even not a puddle, but like vomit on the ground. Like that's how bad you feel about yourself. When I say this, if I connect with that feeling, I'm not going to say that to you. If I actually love you, I'm going to find a different way to communicate the things that I need to communicate. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I say, wow, I really lost my temper and I said some things that were, that were really bad, like I'm such a piece of shit. Is there any connection for me of how you felt in that moment? None. Mm -hmm. It's all about me. And likely it's about image management, mm -hmm. right? Like, Ooh, like my, my image of being the calm, cool, collected one got out of control there. So I better rein it in and say how bad I was and all of this. Like that's, that's when it's insincere. Right. Yeah. So he might even have sincere guilt. Like he might feel bad, mm -hmm. but that's not, that's not safe, right? We mm -hmm. measure how safe someone is by whether or not they're remorseful because remorseful is where change happens. Yeah. I can endure feeling bad about myself, but if I connect sincerely with how I am hurting this person that I'm saying that I love, if I truly love them and I'm truly connecting with the fact that I'm hurting, I'm going to change my behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't even know if he was actually remorseful. He might've felt guilty. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he was trying to make himself feel better by doing something nice for me. Yeah. And he knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So there's a big difference there. Okay. So what I want to go into real quick, um, just a couple of things uh, that I wanted to name for you to just kind of mull over as you're kind of thinking about um, how do I speak to these things that have really gotten their hooks in deep. Right. Like, I don't know for any of you, I grew up going fishing with my dad. There's, mm -hmm. there's a difference between a, a, a hook that gets in a fish and they kind of, kind of wiggle out of it and a hook that gets like down into their like gut or whatever. And like, it's not coming out. Like you're mm -hmm. going to have to cut the line. Right. Like sometimes we, we, these things are kind of so embedded in us. We have to cut the line and we have to figure out where can I do that? Okay. So, um, here are a couple of things that I saw in this story that might really help you like, um, kind of what can happen is when you have this, this, um, inconsistency that, that he really displays a lot of, in my opinion, is it can really kind of give you this, like, well, which one is true? Which one is real? Which, which, you know, a co cognitive dissonance, almost kind of a place of not knowing where you can settle your brain. Right. So, um, uh, first of all, I just wanted to name that I teach three different methods and seven, seven different techniques. And I saw every single one of them. Um, and then I think I teach about 15 tactics and there are quite a few of those as well. Um, but for me, I put the, the majority of the things in, into what I would call mind fuck tactics. <laughs> and for me, that was number one, um, is inconsistency. And I would name his particular flavor of inconsistency is to change the rules based on who is playing. Okay. So for me, like I played soccer a lot growing up and it was mm -hmm. like, if you had a ref who, um, calls more penalties on the team that he's not, that his kid's not playing for, <laughs> right. Versus like the, the kid, the, the kids that are on his team, his kid's team, like he's going to let them get away with fragrant fouls and fouls mm -hmm. and not call him. Right. Because you, ch I, I'm the ref. I get to define based on who's playing, what the penalties are. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I named his brand of inconsistency as. So when the conversation is about him and his, you know, indiscretions and all of that kind of stuff, there was one set of rules when it was about mm -hmm. you, different set of rules, mm -hmm. different, um, consequences, mm -hmm. he would change the game, mm -hmm. right? Very inconsistent. And again, when we're just trying to repair, we're like, okay, well, I'll do whatever. And we, we disconnect with that thing for ourselves. Well, 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 what about me? <laughs> right? Like we're so busy trying to improve ourselves mm -hmm. that we're not requiring our person to do the same thing. And so the, the inconsistency and the unfairness of it kind of can get lost on us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also because at the same time he was really doing a bang up job. <laughs> and I mean that kind of cheekily, um, of highlighting flaws. Okay. So this is where a lot of that distortion came in an exaggeration of faults, um, mm -hmm. the projection. And this was before I knew, like I was already naming projection before you told me some of the things that were new today. Mm -hmm. Um, and then cutting remarks. And then he just was flat out ignoring reality, like ignoring the fact, you know, that 
things are happening with your dad, ignoring the fact that you were in depression and depression is a whole diagnosable thing where there's sure. a, there should be a different set of rules for people that are struggling mm-hmm. with depression, mm-hmm. right? Um, so he was just flat out ignoring that. And then he was changing reality by twisting statements, minimizing his behaviors, and then distorting yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to name some of those things. You'll be able to go back and play this so that you can apply it later. Right. Um, but where I really wanted to get to for you to kind of wrap this up, um, is in your initial email is okay with you. If I share a a few things from your initial email, it shouldn't be anything. new. Okay, Okay, cool, cool. So in your initial email to me, you asked me, how do I get over the shame? I feel like the marriage ended because of me. I have hated myself for years. I just feel alone, crazy, and like a complete failure. And as I was preparing for this last night, which just came rushing to me, like I was so, um, like I was almost crying when I was, when I was doing this because, um, you know, you feel this way, Rachel, because Mm -hmm. chronic gaslighting causes us to assimilate our gaslighters point of view. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically when you are saying those things about yourself, you are, you're seeing yourself through his eyes. Yeah. You're not seeing yourself through your own eyes anymore. Mm-hmm. You lost that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I make up though, this is the beautiful and important thing. And where I get emotional is deep in your knowing the part of you that is still there but has been smothered with all of this bullshit for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Smothered. That is the part to you that is still fighting. And what prompted you to reach out to me? She's still there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's still there. The authentic you does not see yourself yeah. this way. The authentic you does not see yourself as a failure. Mm-mm. The authentic you does not see yourself as the reason I, I would, I would bet everything that I have and my reputation and all my coaching, all that, that your authentic self does not see yourself this way. Yeah. So as I'm letting that sink down, I want to share one of my favorite quotes. Okay. I think it's on my website somewhere. It's from, it's from Albert Schweitzer and it says mm-hmm. the path of awakening is not about becoming who you are. Rather, it is about unbecoming who you are not. That's good. So ever since you had, mm-hmm. ever since you had that affair, mm-hmm. you have been trying to free yourself mm-hmm. from, from the shame of stepping out of integrity, right? And your husband has been being a bully, holding it over you. Mm-hmm. And he's been layering Every time he didn't truly forgive you, every time he threw it back in your face, it was a layering over of things that are not authentically you. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to take a moment and not be afraid of silence for a second, even with my listeners. We're not going to go anywhere. We're just going to take a pause here for a second. And you can do this with, in fact, I encourage you, my listeners, to do this with me and do this with Rachel. And let's just take a moment and see if you can unbecome just a little bit, just a little bit right here, right now, and connect with the authentic you. And I want to ask you, when you you sit with this for a minute, how does your authentic self see you? I want you to think about how does she see the mistakes that you've made, the efforts that you've given, the hurts that you've gone through, and what does she believe about your potential for your future? When you think about all the unbecoming that you can do and awaken to all that you truly are. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a kind, honest, empathetic, open-minded, understanding human being. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, even though I did that, that's, that doesn't define me and that's not who I am. Hell yeah. So, yeah. 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 I can, I'm a good person. It's hard. I mean, anybody who knows me will tell you. And what are you, (laughs) in the authentic you, uh, deep in your knowing, what are you worthy of, Rachel? Happiness, um, security, trust, Mm -hmm. love. 
My um, and when it comes to that fucking scarlet letter, <laughs> no, rip it off. Being a good mother, um, yeah, my kids being happy, uh, yeah, I needed to, I need to go away. So, and the book, yeah. in the book, it wasn't fair. I remember reading the book and like this isn't fair to her. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good. What I so let's let's wrap this up. I, I, what I would love for you again when you listen to this, it'll probably be a couple mm-hmm. of weeks when this comes out. Um, but anytime you you start, I know you you told me at one point you still beat yourself up every every day. Mm-hmm. When that pattern tries to come in, I would love for you to say, "This is not me. This is mm-hmm. not the way. These are not my eyes. Mm-hmm. This is not my voice." Mm-hmm. This is the way my my husband sees me. And oh, mm-hmm. side note, I don't want to be with somebody who sees me this way. No. Mm-mm. Right. This is not my voice. This is not the way I talk to myself. This is not how I see myself. This is my husband's voice and I'm not going to listen mm-hmm. to it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Like sinking in, you get to unbecome because nobody gets to define you but you. He doesn't get to say what is good enough to be forgiven. He doesn't, especially mm-hmm. yourself, he mm-hmm. doesn't get to say what is um, giving 100% when you're fucking depressed and dealing with your dad's death and all of all. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get to define those things for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live through his eyes anymore. You don't have to see yourself through his eyes anymore. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna let you sit with that while I talk to my listeners for a little bit, a little bit and set our alarm. So um, I'm going to give you all two tools. If um, if this were a quote unquote proper coaching session, I would be giving Rachel this as homework. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna give it to you, my listeners today as um, uh, as a, like our little set our alarm tools. So the first one is, um, and I actually have created this into being a worksheet. So y'all can do it and your own like little word doc at home. Um, but just make a table with four columns. And um, I call this worksheet sorting out distortion from truth. So you write the four columns. In the first column, you write what happened, what was said. If you had, a, if you pulled out your iPhone or your Android or whatever you've got and you're recording what was going on, what was said and what happened, right? That's it. First column. That's it. Just the facts, ma'am, right? Column B, you're going to write down what your thoughts and feelings are about what happened, okay? And what was said. So really key in here, not your gaslighter's thoughts and feelings, your thoughts and feelings about what was said. And it doesn't matter if it's what really happened or not. We're not worried about reality here because sometimes our feelings are based on being triggered or any number of things. It might not be about what actually really happened. doesn't matter. We're going to self-validate what our thoughts and feelings are, okay? And column three is where we get down to the facts and what is actually true, right? Because I might be scared about, you know, getting hit by a car if I go outside, and that might not be, you know, a reality of what happened. It was still valid that I felt that. But we want to go into, in column three, what I know to be true. Now, as I just said to Rachel, make sure you're coming from your point of view. When we are first getting out of a gaslighting relationship or working on getting out of a gaslighting mindset, you might need to bring it to your therapist, your coach, or support group. Side note, I've started a new group called the Seekers Community. Check it out. Um, but <laughs> but for real, um, it, it's it, it's like being in a fog. Often people will say, I feel like I'm being in a fog. It's hard sometimes to get back and to notice, kind of like I even did with Rachel today. Like, that's not your point of view, darling. Like, that's his. That's theirs. Mm -hmm. It's your mom's. Like, let's get back to your point of view, okay? So you might need a little bit of help with that one. Um, And then in column four, you write down, what do I need to do based on what I am realizing is the truth here? Do I need to take some sort of action step based on it? Sometimes it's just having a boundary. Sometimes it's um, introducing a new mantra into your life. Um, It might be a number of different things, which leads me to my tip number tool. My tool or tip number two. Wow, that was like a tongue twister. So I would encourage you to um, come up with a mantra. If you really connected in any way to today's um, podcast episode, you know, come up with a mantra. For me, the example would be, I define me. Right. So that's one that shifted for me um, a few years ago. I was like, nobody gets to define me. If, if I think I'm feminine and somebody else doesn't think I'm feminine because I'm too sporty, I don't care. I, def- I, d- I define myself as a woman, so I'm feminine. Nobody gets to define me but me. Nobody. 
right? Um, so the main focus for today around that would be your values. So I want to give you an example. Um, and it goes back to some of the things that we saw in Rachel's story. So for example, when, when, um, when she was struggling with depression and her husband was telling her that she wasn't showing up, right? Sinking in and saying, okay, well, if showing up is a value, if it's something I do in a relationship, how do I define showing up? How do I define showing up at 100% in depression, out of depression? How do I define showing up with my intimate partner, with my friends at work? How do I, right? Like when we get to the place where we own our stuff, the way that we define it, that's where we find our true power. And I think it's especially important because if I were to take the example of health, for example, that's a high value of mine. Um, it might surprise some people that when I list out the things that describe what it means to me to be healthy, one of those things means how often am I getting out in nature? And how often am I being creative? If I'm not doing those two things, I'm not emotionally and mentally as healthy. It's not just about physical for me, for my health, right? That might That might be in your list. It might not be. Guess what? You get to define healthy for you. I get to define healthy for me because we're unique, right? We, other people don't get to define for us how to, to live out our values. It's a very personal, intimate thing for ourselves. So that can really start to change the game for us if we're being gaslit to, to, um, to, to, to shift, like almost shape shift into being somebody else's definition of how we should live, how we should love. Um, it can really, really help with the distortion piece um, like we talked about today. So dear listener, um, if you would like to share your story on my podcast, either traditional way or kind of like I did today with Rachel, I'd love to have you on. Uh, go to sarahmoralescoaching.com and click on the contact tab to do that. Uh, Rachel, thank you again so much for being on my podcast today. I, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, being able to show up for you and help you and, and hopefully, um, you know, I, I met some of that. How do mm -hmm. I, how do I release some of this shame? Thank if you, you like I helped. Yes. Thank you for listening. I need awesome. to tell that story. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. And again, thank you, dear listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please leave a review and subscribe. And if you think others would benefit from it, please share it. And remember, like I said today, so, so, so powerful today. It's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. And I leave you again with the anthem of this podcast. Not today. We got stars in Turn on me.